we are talking about a comic book, which we all read. If you did not also read this comic book, be aware we may talk about the events that happen inside of it. If this is going to make you sad, you should read the comic book first. That's like playing pretend with five-year-olds. Oh, that Spider-Man, he was just a clone. Did I just have a stroke? Welcome to the Trade Secrets Podcast. I have tough skin, apparently. I did not know I had this power. Comic book talk by comic book geeks just like you. What we did not know was that Nikolai Tesla was the original designer of the Fleshlight. Make it, make it, do it, makes us... That's one thing is that all my heroes from when I was a kid are now horrible, spewing, horrible people. Spewing Bill Cosby, epithets. Hulk Hogan. Bill Joe, Cosby, Hulk Hogan. I, Joe, yeah. I didn't know Paula Dean was your hero. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> spewing well, racial He's just a fan of butter. While filming a sex tape <laughs> with another man's wife. That's, yeah. that classy. is just amazing. That's a classy mm. dude right there. Welcome, everybody, to episode 98 of the Trade <laughs> Secrets Podcast. I am your host, Luke Matthews, and I am joined today by the whole Trade Secrets crew, starting with Ann Bean. Hello. Joel Simon. Hey. Andy Padel. Why, hello there. And all the way from the wilds of Germany, the Eddie holo- Isaac. The hologram of Eddie Isaac. Guten Tag. Uh, Eddie is joining us because uh, it's one of our few final episodes, and we are doing a Batman book, so Eddie kind of had to be here. And uh, yeah, um, Batman. How's Germany treating you, Eddie? Germany, Germany. You know what? Honestly, I like Germany. I love Europe. I mean, I'm never. I can get beer anywhere, almost at any time. There is no no time right? in which I cannot get a beer. Right. Like seriously, I think I think there's a laundromat down the street that serves beer. That's like, amazing. Bring beer at the same time. It's not that difficult to really travel around Germany or around Europe for that matter, and. Uh, I mean, pretty much the people are like uh, they're familiar. They're more like uh, New York uh, or big city style people. You know, they don't really say much to you. Mm-hmm. If you engage them, though, they, they talk. The biggest thing is that, you know, most of the time you go to another country, you try to want you want to try to learn a language so that you can talk to people. But everybody wants to speak English with you anyway. So it's almost right. like, you know, you go you go into the store, you start speaking German. And they speak English, so you're just like, you know what? Why am I even trying? Yeah. So, is it because you're just brutalizing their language so much? It's like, stop. Stop! Stop being Iggy. Just just speak English. <laughs> we can understand you. My uh, my but dad. Other, when, when my... That, I mean, it's it's great. You know, they have these things called thermovases, and it's like these giant indoor like swimming pool theme park uh, places. So they've got like water slides and different little hot tubs and stuff like that, and they're all over the place, and they're pretty awesome. So it's like. Even in the middle of winter, you can put on your bathing suit and you can walk around. You can swim and all the stuff on the inside. It's crazy. That's yeah. cool, um, Eddie. Those are called bathhouses. <laughs> They've been around. Bathhouses with water slides. <laughs> well, that'd be uh, fucking see, fantastic. They're fabulous. Well, it's like the Turk, the you know the, the Turkish bath and then yeah. the Japanese bathhouse and the thermovasa. You know they have different qualities. There's so. totally those in the U.S., but many of them are for women and single gendered. Yeah. Yeah. I have a I just have this image in my head of a very stoic German or Russian bathhouse with a bunch of guys in towels and a few naked dudes in a tub and then all of a sudden some douchebag comes sliding in off the end of a fucking uh, <laughs> water speedo. slide. Woo! Bang into the water. It's like that that's me. I'm the guy who's like <laughs> smiling, yelling all the way down. And when I get down at the bottom, I splash these like old mobsters, and they're like, "Hey, what are you doing? <laughs> what are you doing? Hey, 
Hey, oh, hey. Hey, 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 hey Copernicus. <laughs> <laughs> oh. Other than that, though, I love it. You know, there's a couple of downsides, you know. Um, I'm, I'm pretty far. There's, there's The video game tournaments are not as uh, bountiful. The uh, gaming community is, is hard to find. And, of course, you know, I'm still getting my comics from backstage side because uh, a lot of stuff over here is more so older stuff. Not You're not really getting monthly subscription type stuff. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, it's, you know, it's hard to keep up with that side of the culture. But luckily we have this great new invention called the Internet. So oh, wow. I'm right. able to. Right? Yeah. You're able to be here with us talking about yeah. bullshit, even though we, even though we can't seem to think of anything in the comic industry to actually talk about, except the Eisners, except the Eisners, which well, we will see, talk about the thing in a little bit. Is, is that I've kind of been out of the loop, so I know I know one of the most interesting discussions I've had recently, which which was funny because it's a conversation I've had with so many people, was the age old because of course we got Batman versus Superman, Dawn of Justice coming up, right? Yep, Dawn and of Justin, Dawn of Justin, Dawn. Don Andy Don. <laughs> However, you know, the funny thing was Luke had posted something about how he wasn't excited. You were excited for some movie. Suicide, Suicide Squad. They said. Yes. yes. And, you know, Luke and I, Luke and I never agree on movies. <laughs> However, I, I'm more excited for Suicide Squad than I am for Batman v Superman. Yeah. Okay. That adds into the trifecta, right? Because Luke and I never agree about anything. Like literally yeah. seven years of recording, <laughs> we have not agreed once, and we're both like Suicide Squad. I'm, I'm fucking in. Yeah. yeah. And I wasn't agreeing with him. Yeah, Eddie. Since you left, uh, Luke has been doing a lot of soul searching. He's been walking around just thinking about things. Really? Yeah. I have. It, you there have. was that one time when you, you said don't... you didn't want to be angry all the time. Huh? Yeah, well, that's going to change when we start talking Wait, about this book today. you don't want to be today. angry anymore? Oh, my not, Just not all the time, okay. I think. I'm, I'm, I'm just going to point it's out, the <laughs> it, it's, it's the end of the podcast, but Luke did mention that it would be his last rant. Yeah, I actually put that in, <laughs> I put that in, the, uh, in the show description for episode 97. I said one last Luke rant, and I guess I was a little bit wrong on that one. Ha-ha. Uh-huh. <laughs> um, yeah, it's going gonna, it's gonna to happen. We're going to get there. My biggest issue, my biggest issue, I figured out what my biggest issue with Superman is, and, uh, and the reason why I always think that Batman should beat him is that I, I started looking at all these movies, where we have alien invasions, you know, most notably Independence Day. But, like, humanity, even though, like, outclassed by technology, strength, you know, intelligence and all that stuff, finds a way to win, right? Mm -hmm. And Mm -hmm. I think that's what Batman is supposed to represent, and that's why he always beats Superman, because even though Superman has it outclassed on all these levels, Batman, as the representative of humanity, finds a way to win. And I'm very upset that in the Batman-Superman trailer... I see these fu- these douche waffles walking around with Superman patches on their on their 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 shoulders and worshiping Superman like he's some type of god. Which it's would just, happen? I, I think it's, it's it's a symbolization of just how weak and pathetic uh, human beings it's like <laughs> or attempt, like human beings would be that when a more powerful entity shows its face. And yeah. I don't like that. Yeah. I just don't think that's how it would be. It's an, it's it's an interesting <laughs> thing as like an Elseworlds tale, right? Like and that's and that's kind of how I, we talked about this a little last week, but I think that's kind of how I have to view the Man of Steel universe. It's it's an Elseworlds universe where um it's it's not the Superman that Christopher Reeve portrayed or the one that's in the comic book. It is it is a a modernized kind of Shitty, weird take. Ah, yeah, yeah. That snaps yeah, necks, yo. 
He snaps here. See, and that, and that's Knicks. of all the yeah, snaps, snaps, of all the problems that Knicks. I had with Man of Steel, that was actually the least of them. Like what? That him, he killed him Zod? Killing Zod because he killed Zod in the old movies too, and he killed Zod in the comic books. Like, I thought he banished him to uh, the no, Shadow he Dimension. fucking he, no, he Zod comes out of the Shadow Dimension in Superman two, and then at the end of the movie, he swaps places with him in the in the superpower stealing phone booth, and then takes his powers and throws him into a crevasse. So, as a human, he throws him into an Antarctic crevasse. Well, like, Luke, he realize, fucking kills him. Luke, you do realize that if nobody's ever seen that Superman movie, that you just made it sound horrible. It's 30 super, years old. Superpower stealing phone booth. <laughs> yeah, yeah, well. Well, that's old Superman. <laughs> it's, it's a 30 year old, 35 year old movie, so I'm not really worried about spoilers at this point. I think these statute yeah. of limitations is up. Yeah. What's the statute of limitations on spoilers? <laughs> Fifteen minutes. <laughs> so I that's, that's pixels my, is shit. That's my biggest. That issue. wasn't a spoiler. Now, I know a lot of people. The now the, I've heard complaints about Suicide Squad about Jared Leto's Joker, right? And like, I'm not. I'm not upset with with that at all. It doesn't bother me because. We're we're in the modern age, and I don't think Joker needs to be the guy with the in the purple suit with the flowers. Yeah. You know, was it Caesar Chavez? What mm-hmm. the uh, the original actor? No, no, no. Yeah. no, it's Caesar. Caesar, Caesar Romero. Romero. No, yeah, no, it was Romero. Caesar? Yeah, that's yeah. correct. Caesar Romero. Yeah, so it, I, I think I think it's okay to move away from that type of Joker. I mean, honestly, Heath Ledger's Joker was an anarchist. Yeah, you know? I was, saw some meme that. Had like all the different film jokers and all the different archetypes that they were portraying, yeah. including right. like the Anna- and I was no, like, okay, no, right. that makes sense in you're context. Right. Well, you know, there's that. so many homages to the Dark Knight Returns in the Batman v Superman movie just from the trailers, and we're still supposed to consider it like this, like you said, an else worlds, else you know, kind of other world story. And this is pretty much how I viewed all the superhero movies to date. Yeah, because they they. They veered away from a lot of they 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 they're still including the the homages to the original source content, but but still putting an original spin on a lot of them. Yeah. Well, that's like Marvel Cinematic Universe, in terms right. of like it just consider it a separate entity. You'll, it'll be fine. Yeah, and yeah, I'm actually I mean, it's, the same thing. it's the same thing with Arrow and Flash. You know, yeah. so don't forget Gotham. Mm. Goth- Gotham is the same way. Yeah, can we so, can we forget about Gotham, please? Can we just not worry about the Gotham? I don't know why. You know, Luke, I cannot figure out why you hate this show so much. Jada Pickett's Jada Jada Pickett Smith's performance as Fish Mooney itself makes the show worth watching. I am uh, well. I haven't seen it yet, so <laughs> I really like uh, Flash and Arrow, though. I'm excited for Supergirl. I think that'll be a nice addition to that universe. Mm. Yeah, Supergirl looks looks fun. It looks. See? Supergirl looks yeah, really does. good. Super Supergirl looks like a good show, but the one thing Luke that you said that I didn't agree with was that Superman or Superman sto- world stories should have a lightness to them because if anything, his world should be darker than Super than Batman's because he literally lost everything. You know what I mean? Like he lost his yeah. planet, he lost his people. He, you know, he's an orphan, a galactic orphan, with you know, a so to speak. He really has Superman. Really has nothing to be happy about. I mean, he's not even rich. No, so I, <laughs> I I understand that point of view, but I but that's not 
that's not the way Superman has been portrayed over the years in the comic books. Superman has always been the lighter of the two. And yeah. I don't necessarily mean that it has to be funny light. It just needs to be, you know, kind of um, more hopeful than Batman. Um, Batman, mm. Batman is, you know, the psychopath in despair. Superman is the, you know, the the light that is the hope for humanity and that's always what he's been what's he's what he's represented in comics. And if you so. if you think about right. where he like his genesis in terms of like American culture at the time, it was like in a point where America was despairing a lot. So it makes sense that an icon of hope would have been more useful at that point than than like a representation of the darkness of the psyche, which is why I think yeah. Superman came first. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, similar to Captain America in terms of icon of hope, but with more archetype. Yeah, well, and even Batman wasn't necessarily as dark then as he is now. He, just yeah. he was people. just like a. He was just a. Well, he was the vigilante because it's it. I always I always kind of felt like Superman was the. Um, the answer to the despair of of war at the time yeah. of World War Two, where I almost felt that Batman was always the um, the answer to the fear of organized crime, right? If that makes mm. sense, you like, could argue that Cold War that would affect that, that, that too. Yeah. Because yeah, that, that I could see that. Well, I mean, the, the thing is, is that uh, I was doing some more research into the history of Batman, and Batman was dark for a certain amount of time. There was a drive in the comic industry by the uh, the the group that used to regulate comics. Comics the, Code uh, Authority. The, the Comics Code. Or, wait, ECC. Right. Yeah. The Authority. Yeah. To, to make superheroes have a lighter, a lighter touch. Yeah. And as a result, that's when Robin got introduced and you started seeing Batman smile in comics and tell jokes and... Like have Stop fun killing people. fighting. Sort of like, uh, like the distaff character. He stopped killing people. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Right. And then and then that was the drive that really changed Batman. And then when the authority went away, you saw a change of bringing Batman back to his roots as far as, you know, being dark. But they still left it to the point where it's like, oh, Batman doesn't kill, you know, and it's just like there's another debate as far as whether Superman kills or not. You know, you can go into comics where Superman won't kill, you know, at mm-hmm. all. And then, of course, we have it like, well, he's killed Zod. Oh, he's also killed this person. Yeah. And it's arguably that he's killed this person. And I think it's the same thing with Batman. You can read books and you go, you know what? If that guy isn't dead, then he's really, really resilient. Because what he just yeah. did to him would kill anyone. Well, and I, I actually kind of get annoyed that um, that we, and I say we, I mean geek culture, um, like kind of assigns a very specific set of rules to every single hero based on some ephemeral set of of historical data where like you know Batman the the big thing for Batman for everybody is he never uses guns he doesn't use guns but for the first 12 issues. comics he 12 used issues. 12 issues so yeah. a year he used guns so yeah. there was a point where he used guns. And yeah, maybe he changed that over time because some some artist was like, what? or writer was like, well, he probably wouldn't use guns because his parents were shot to death. Um, but like, I like Man of Steel. I do think that there are problems with it, but I, th- um, I think that a lot of the issues that people have with Man of Steel are based on these, these kind of partially arbitrary rules that people, ex- rules and expectations that they have. 
And right. it's like, now, don't get me wrong. I do agree with some of the points about Man of Steel, like the fact that um, uh, in the environment that he grew up where uh, where Pa Kent was was less nurturing and more afraid for his safety. So he was more like, yeah, maybe you should have let those kids drown kind of attitude. And uh-huh. now and now in the new movie with, with even Ma Kent being like, you don't owe these people anything, that wouldn't generate a superhero. It would generate no. a sociopath. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, especially with a guy with that much power. But it's still it's still an interesting take on the character to me because it's showing him learning stuff externally of his family instead of because of his family. I don't I know. Think, I think that the, the Man of Steel universe itself is a high possibility maybe in the modern day America. Yeah, yeah, Just yeah. because family values and everything have changed over the years. So, you know, in the 30s, I believe that that type of Superman would have been nurtured and developed. Right. But now in the, you know, the... 2000 the the 20 the our our current century that it's quite possible that the superman that we know and love from the 30s and 40s is not the same superman that we'd be developed today yeah and i agree and that's one of the reasons i liked man of steel because it was it's a different take on the character because it's a it's taking into account attitudes in the modern world especially the attitudes surrounding uh fame and power uh Mm-hmm. Has anyone written a Superman book where Ma and Pa Kent are like f- creepy white supremacists? Oh God, that would be fun. <laughs> because uh, that seems likely, it's given the quadrant comics. of the. Ah, uh, <laughs> well, you know. <laughs> hey, I mean, honestly, you know, Anne, that's that's a really interesting point. I never even thought about it. You know, Kansas, nineteen thirties. Uh, you know, who, 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 Kansas, twenty tens. <laughs> Yeah. I mean, there have been a lot of Elseworlds stories about what what if Superman were Red picked Communist. up by other people, right? Yeah. And yeah, like Red Sun's one of them. Wasn't there one where they like flipped around the origin stories for a bunch of the heroes and one of them was like... like Flashpoint does it. Flashpoint yeah, flips around Flashpoint. all the origin stories. Yeah, I loved Flashpoint Superman. That was great. I loved it too. The two Supermans I've loved the most are the, uh, the Flashpoint Superman and the Man of Steel Superman because... I really think that, you know, the like perfect example in the movie, how he throws that guy's truck into the power lines, you know, mm-hmm. I think a pissed off super being would probably do that to someone. Yeah. I, I don't know. I'm, I'm not looking, the problem is I'm not looking forward to, to, um, Batman V Superman just because like, I feel like they've just drained all of the like interest out of the tone the tone is just wrong for some reason there's something about it that just makes it uninteresting to me and i, I don't know i don't know yeah whatever i feel like it's been rushed yeah, yeah. but suicide squad but, looks ooh. fun but ooh, 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 luke i saw edge of tomorrow the other day i uh-huh. bought it on blu-ray Wonderful movie. That's I a mean, great movie. Absolutely right? freaking outstanding. I that's one of my favorite sci-fi movies in a long time. It, it is an outstanding movie. You know, I was, I, and I'm mad because I'm like, man, I wish I would have seen it in the theaters, and yeah. I would have taken the time. And I see, I saw it, and I was like, I wasted so much time not seeing this movie because it's so great. <laughs> Were you scared off by Tom Cruise? I was. I am... no. That's the reason why I didn't watch it at first was See, because of Tom. I Cruise. wouldn't say scared off by Tom Cruise. I'm just saying that he he has his ups and downs, and he usually gives you like 
two good movies and then like three bad ones and then like two good ones. So I wasn't sure where exactly he was at at the time. Sure. It was right so, on the cusp. It's like, this could be shit. This could be great. See, that's really <laughs> strange to me because like I, Tom Cruise is a nut job outside of movies mm-hmm. and that's fine. Oh, indeed. But, indeed. That's fine. Yeah. Um, but there, he's been in so many movies that I like. Like mm. I like three of the four Mission Impossible Legend. movies. Legend was yeah, fine. Legend. Yeah, Legend's good. I liked Edge of Tomorrow. I liked Oblivion. I, like I liked Oblivion. Minority Report. I liked mm-hmm. The Last Samurai despite its Chet. weird tones. No, Eyes Wide Shut was a piece of shit. I was really hoping you'd be like, uh-huh. yeah, that was good. I'm like, oh no. man, you would not pay attention to what I said. No, but yeah, I mean, there's just he's been in so many good. I really liked Jack Reacher as well. I seen like, that yet. Yeah. It, it was decent. I heard um, it was pretty good. It turns out that Scientologists really know sci-fi. And the other thing about about <laughs> you know, regardless that? of. <laughs> <laughs> Regardless of his his weirdness, yeah. I, I listened. There was a Nerdist interview uh, on the Nerdist podcast where Tom Cruise was. I think he was on the promotion tour for Edge of Tomorrow, and he was he was just like he came across as like the nicest guy in the world, and he's real 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 smart, and he was just like. It was really strange because you have this image of Tom Cruise as this kind of weird, controlling Scientologist whack job, jumping but then, up and down on Oprah's couch. Yeah, but then you, but then you see him in the, you hear him in this interview, and he's just a, he was just a really nice guy, and he talked about his stuff, and he he was just pretty straightforward, and it's really, really strange. Luke, Luke if you start talking about e-meters on yeah, the next I about- cast <laughs> i, I, I i'm gonna stage now. an intervention right yeah because that's that's me gonna right hand you by a- intervention we're gonna drive up with a van and kidnap your ass yeah <laughs> don't don't worry you know, about it i think christina is- would beat the shit out of me first so uh, a while back luke posted uh one of his famous posts about like well you know people hate it that i like this and so if i like this i guess i'm just an idiot and it was the whole like the Pacific Rim, yeah. John Carter, and something else like how camp, how like and campy Jupiter, and lame they were. Jupiter, Jupiter ascending. Jupiter ascending. So, Pacific Rim, I, I watched it again and I like it. So mm-hmm. I'm on board with that one. John Carter, I caught pieces of it while I was in a barber shop and it looked pretty interesting. John Carter. Channing Tatum said he didn't even know what Jupiter ascending was about, and he's in the movie. <laughs> so Ju- I don't know about. I don't know I don't Jupiter know. ascending. I'm not going to say Jupiter Ascending was a good movie. It was it was a fun stupid sci-fi movie and it wasn't it wasn't nearly as like ridiculously bad as people made it out to be because I feel like a lot of the problems that people had with that movie were personal um like personal taste issues with specific narrow problems. Now, that being mm-hmm. said, the script is the script is kind of all over the place like it is it is very much like it doesn't make a whole lot of sense it gets kind of messy at at points um but like there's one of the problems that i hear people constantly complain about is channing tatum's got these like basically he's a dog rocket boots that that are that he that are treated in the movie very similarly to like basically hover hoverboard rollerblade kind of things where he and it doesn't. It sounds stupid, but in that's the, the movie, sort of stupid I would buy into. Though, right. come on, hover and skateboards, and that's exactly one of the reasons why I like the movie because it was one of the first. It was like every single '80s cheeseball sci-fi and fantasy movie just crammed into one movie. <laughs> so, oh, like the Expendables, kind or of, pixels. kind of. Yeah, I mean, it had no, no, not like pixels. No. Um, it had it. It was cheeseball, and it was a little messy. 
but it was it was fun. It was a fun movie. And there's this there's this segment in the middle where um so the basic storyline is that um Mila Kunis's character is the reincarnation of someone who ha- who owns the title of a of a an aristocrat who owns the title to the planet Earth. Ah. So being that she's in that bloodline, she has to she has to go claim her rightful place to get the the earth right so there's this really i'm I'm sure other people will hate it but in the middle of the movie there's a segment where she's out she has been taken away from earth and she has been introduced to this intergalactic society that controls all of humanity and she has to effectively get the paperwork handle that uh, that allows her to claim her blood right Wait, and it wait, is actual paperwork. Yeah, like that's actual paperwork. Yes, it, well, I mean digital, but but yes, space paperwork. It is. It is an amazing sequence because space DMV. it is. It, oh, that's gosh. exactly what it is. It is about a, a five or ten minute segment in the movie that is just. It is so Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy. We're British. In, we know how to queue in the best way possible. She. It's one of those things where she like she goes to one bureaucrat and says, "I need this done," and he's like, "Well, you need to have this form filled out by this guy." So she goes to another one, and they're like, "Well, you need to have this form by this guy." Were any of them and large is, and green and in Vogon? It is completely Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy, and I thought it was fantastic. That's like, great. It's a it's a cheesy fucking movie, but Space I actually really enjoyed bureaucracy. So. Let's uh, let's spend a few minutes talking about the Eisners real quick before we move on to the other stuff stuff in the show. Um, the Eisners happened at San Diego Comic Con as they always do, um, and so Anne, why don't you talk about that? There's there's the list, and you, you talk about it. You read these crazy independent comics. Uh, <laughs> a lot of people who have been doing good work for a very long time were recognized, such as Emily Carroll, um, who usually I have seen her work at like she does. She's part of the Benign Kingdom consortium of people and does really cool stuff she had a short story that got recognized lumberjanes cleaned up uh the little nemo return to slumberland series that gabriel rodriguez of lock and key is drawing yes one for best limited series which is very cool uh, there was a ton of like little nemo stuff which is i i had to laugh a little bit at the random little nemo reference in this book because i was like all right i guess that's <laughs> that's trendy now and little nemo is a great uh comic and one of the like classic works of american comics pre 1970 but um gene luen uh yang who did uh the avatar the last airbender comics for dark horse and one best writer which is great because he is one of the like original indie comics guys like he he's been working in the bay area for decades and mm-hmm. has produced a lot of really cool stuff he was uh, one of the first winners of the zurich grant which has now died and is very that's unfortunate y'all know what that is no i don't zurich grant was like the one hey make a graphic novel grant that um was like it was a pretty big grant and it existed for i think about 20 years and then 2012 was the last year of it which is unfortunate but there you go um Raina Telegmeyer, uh who w- writes ya comics um graphic novels mm-hmm. uh one fiona staples one um did you win for saga i'm assuming uh yeah also for best penciler inker cool i mean saga of course continues to clean up but that's i don't think she's doing anything else she's solely saga right like i th- I think i saw she was doing covers for a few things like she's doing some yeah i think she's oh, just no, doing no, 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 no. She's revival doing no 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 she no that's not that's um a different artist that's no um mike norton does revival um the covers no 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 yeah but it's that's not fiona staples fiona staples was doing the new archie comic with mike oh. mark wade 
I like the Eisner. I'm glad the Eisners are recognizing some indie stuff, but it's it's vastly indie stuff. Actually, I think the least indie thing was like, okay, uh, Saga. I think Saga. Saga got some stuff right. Yeah, no, Saga won for best continuing series, and and yeah. Fiona Staples won for the art. But I think that was like the biggest title that was on there. The only Marvel or DC things were in like something won for like a reprint of an older edition of a whatever comic. Yeah. Um, and I like it. I think that. All of the, basically, I'm seeing all of the indie cartoonists who've been working for a very, very long time and finally have some stuff published by like mid level publishers like um, IDW, IDW, uh, First Second, Fantagraphics, all of that stuff, like finally getting recognized, which was really cool. For the last week, I guess, because we were late on the last show, we've been reading the. Well, varying numbers of issues of of <laughs> All Star Batman and Robin. Um, I think maybe Eddie and Joel are the only two guys that actually finished all no, ten I, issues. Oh, I read five. Issues. I did. Yeah, I finished. You know, I finished all ten. Yeah, I finished the first five. Do, Andy eight, did eight. Do ten issues comprise a full story arc? Ten issues are all that exists of it. Ah, so, well, that's not the same as does it yes, comprise I, a full story arc? I'm pretty sure arc. it's the full story arc, okay. but it was it was like the All Star. So. The All Star series. Uh, this was actually suggested by a uh, reader and or a listener, and um, I am blanking on who it was. So if anybody wants to pull up the Facebook group and actually scroll it's, through it it's to find the out the same who... guy that likes Batman the way I do. Uh, <laughs> Is it Aaron? What's his? It's not Aaron. It, we'll we'll figure it out later because I don't want to sit here and name a bunch of names and like uh, <laughs> make people feel like shit. Um, the um, this. The All-Star comics came out about a year and a half after Marvel did the uh, opened the Ultimate line. Or it was maybe a few years after they opened the Ultimate line. And it, always, and it really, really felt to me they were definitely an Elseworlds alternate universe thing that always felt to me like it was supposed to be an answer to Ultimate comics, okay. right? DC's yeah. answer to Ultimate comics. So they, but they ended up only doing two comics i believe it was all-star batman and robin and all-star yeah. superman all-star superman yeah. um and all-star all-star superman was done by uh grant morrison and frank quietly mm-hmm. and was interesting uh it was it was not not bad but it, it was not bad. my taste um and all-star batman and robin was done by the supposedly dream team of frank miller and jim lee what who's dream yeah. is this uh, like sweaty this is back in, this is back I believe after reading this, and if I'm remembering the timeline correctly, this is back before people realized Frank Miller was falling off the deep end, ah. and it was in the midst of his descent. Okay. Um, when, when was this? There released? is no bottom. That was the uh, this was 2004. I want to okay. say. I need to. I need to look it up. It seems like it would have been a dream team back then. That's Frank. That's Frank fair. Miller and, and and Frank Miller and, and Jim, Jim Lee. Lee. Um, so, uh, I don't know where to start with this I book. I do. So I have a quote. <laughs> okay, you go, Anne. This is a quote from Walt Whitman, which I think is sort of my sphincter says what moment, but um, understand that you can have in your writing no qualities which you do not honestly entertain in yourself. Understand that you cannot keep out of your writing the indication of the evil or shallowness you entertain in yourself. If you love to have a, stir- a servant stand behind your chair at dinner, 
it will appear in your writing. If you possess a vile opinion of women, or if you grudge anything or doubt immortality, these will appear by what you leave unsaid more than by what you say. Mm. There is no trick or cunning, no art or recipe by which you cannot uh, can have in your writing that which you do not possess in yourself. So, to me, this was Frank Miller trying to be Batman and revealing that he is a huge asshole <laughs> and would make a terrible Batman, but would declare that he is like the goddamn Batman and call everyone else retarded. Yeah. Hey, you know, the it just becomes it becomes more like his name is not Batman that he's actually the goddamn Batman. <laughs> the goddamn <laughs> Batman. That's what every, no one calls him Batman. Batman calls himself the goddamn Batman. Commissioner Gordon calls him the goddamn Batman. It's like, it's every, that's his name now. That's true. Okay, so before before we get this conversation started, I'm dying to know something. And I pointed this out to Luke before the podcast. There is a page, and I think issue six, where there's a guy who has like worms. And, that was the first issue. Remember? Is it the first yeah, issue? Yeah, the first issue. There's a guy who has bugs and worms coming out of his mouth, and he's handing a gun to someone. Is that like a normal Batman villain that I just have not seen before? Uh, I thought that was a reference to the snake poison that Batman fed the one guy so that he saw worms and I don't stuff. Know. Yeah, oh. it was. It was a reference. It was a reference to that. Okay. 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 Because there's so, like the scene where the guy is like getting out of prison and he's in the back of a car with yeah. the other guy and he's like, uh, but it's just one panel. Yeah. And I'm just like. He was pretending like things were normal, but it was supposed to be subjective, him seeing the, the stuff, God which is, I think that's jarring to you because there were yeah. no other subjective panels like that. It was Jesus Cusada that suggested this book. Uh, I just found it in the um, in the Facebook group, um, and I apologize, Jesus, for not um, finger, uh, figure, <laughs> for fingering you, for not fingering um, that out late, earlier. Um, I... Uh. So I read I read the first five issues, um, and that's and I it's I didn't not finish this because I didn't like it. Uh, I didn't like it, but I did. That wasn't the reason that I didn't finish it. Um, that's surprising. It was be, it was just because of scheduling issues and like um, flightiness on on my own part that I didn't finish it. But um, this is like first off, By I Auburn. didn't need. Oh yeah, yeah. Well, let's well, fuck it. Let's go there. Uh, we do bio borrow burn at the beginning of the show now, so everybody can like decide whether they want to get this before they listen to us talk about it. So um, I'll start with a burn. I'll start with a straight up burn. I will follow that with another burn. Like burn it to the ground, Eddie. Bye, borrow burn. <laughs> Bye. Okay. God damn it, Eddie. <laughs> <laughs> What what is happening with the weird mind melt here that you two are agreeing? Is yeah, I don't know what's going on. Yeah, it's we didn't agree, we didn't agree last week on on uh, wormwood. So yeah, uh, yeah that's, that's because Luke was wrong. <laughs> Isn't that always the case? Pretty much, and he's wrong. It's been and five wrong. fucking years of me being wrong. Uh, Joel, what do you think? I'd borrow it. No. I, I would go reluctant borrow, but that may just be because I've only read the first half, and I'm like, I would be interested in reading the second half but there's no way i would pay money to read the second but half. it's this mm. you're not reading it because you like it you're reading it out of it, some weird yes, hate fight yeah you're it's spite spite. reading it yeah, yeah. It's, like, it's like a hate fuck but with a book yes a hate read have you not had these i have these all <laughs> the time read. hey you know i've done that with movies i hate watch I yeah hate this movie so much but i'm gonna watch it like three times just to make sure i'm gonna finish it so i can tear this motherfucker apart yeah. i think the uh i still have that opinion right i i still watch stuff that I 
pretty much in advance know is going to be terrible just so that I can say with authority this is fucking terrible. Yeah. Right? That's totally <laughs> legit because you, you may not be taken seriously if you're like, no, Pixels was shit. Did you see Pixels? Well, no, actually it would be there in yeah. that case. But, you yeah. know, something that's slightly less shitty than well, Pixels. Well, finding out that an Adam Sandler movie is shit is not exactly a new no. idea. Yeah, um, nobody's surprised at that. Yeah. So uh, since since you're the only one with a solid buy on this, why don't we start with you, Eddie? What did you think of this book? <laughs> okay. Now, I, I did before. I had to get rid of some of my bias because generally I'm a fan of like, I'd say this day and age, probably 80% of anything that's done with Batman. However, there just because I, I would buy it doesn't mean there aren't things that tick me off. So... I, I like Batman's attitude, but I thought it was still severely over the top. Like, I do think Batman <laughs> would be a bit of a jerk. You can't like, see me just shaking my head in disgust. Just, like, <laughs> I'm, I'm a little bit worried like, that Luke is going to throw up on multi-mix eight. No, it's like, no, it's, no, it's, I think him being a jerk is not, is, is fine because one, he's rich. And two, like, I think it's part of his character to be a jerk. But man, they really drilled it home and put it over the top to uh-huh. make him just seem like a total asshole. Yeah. And I'm like, man, okay, like, you know, I, so I think it was like too serious. I think I think they put him at like a 10 on the asshole scale and he really only need to be like a 7 or an 8. <laughs> okay. you're, and, you're at a 10 right now. We need you down here at, a, at like a 5. <laughs> yeah. You need to be yeah. kind of so douchey, like, not like you know, full-blown and, like stock and, trader douche. And I was really – and I was thinking the same thing because honestly I, I, had, I had read pieces of this, but I had never read it fully. And I've heard about it and I would never read it fully. And then I'm like, oh, yeah, OK. So this is Frank Miller, Jim Lee and everything. I'm like, OK, well, now I'm going to get a chance to read the whole thing. It should be great. Well, the – his whole like – the whole approach of how he – I think – and I think you were right about – or Anne's quote and Luke's follow-up to that was right about – this is how Frank Miller would envision himself if he were in the cow. Yeah. yeah. So now I'm like, he is okay, so Frank Miller, if you were asshole. Batman, you would you would be a total dickhead a hundred percent of the time. Like all the time. <laughs> yes. Never stop. That's and, and I'm and I'm here to tell you that trying to be a jerk is tiring, but to be a jerk the hundred percent of the time. Yeah, it's exhausting. Yeah. So, well, he doesn't sleep. <laughs> so we, we don't need you to be Donald Trump. We need you to be Will Arnett pretending to be Donald Trump. <laughs> and, and Never go like, full Trump. Every time, every time I would hit a portion of this book that I really liked, like uh, there's a part where Batman's like Frank, jumping from root to root. Frank Miller would like, shit all over it. In... Say what? Frank Miller would shit all over it. Yeah, like, yeah. So there's a part <laughs> where he's like, you know, he's jumping from root to root. And he's like, he's like, I haven't slept in three days. And but every part of my body is alive, and I'm like, okay, it's this gotta is be really the good. Mess. Like, yeah, that's how Batman would seem. And he's like, it's because I'm the goddamn Batman. I'm like, okay, really? <laughs> <laughs> it's a little on the nose, don't you think, Bruce? Like, like, come on, man. It's that, and then like, you know, my my uh, view, like, perfect example. So the, immediately, what caught me was my view of Vicky Vale was this very like. Uh, <laughs> very educated professional kind of you know reporter type simply pretty much along the lines of, of lois lane and from what i remember i haven't read all superman stuff but from what i read like they've never tried to over sexify lois lane right she's always like in a nice kind of you know for the most part I mean, conservative in in they, they've 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 sexualized her 
only in so much as any comic book female has been oversexualized yeah. by their artist, but they've never. It, you're right. It has never been like a she. She's never been a sex object solely there for that purpose. Like she's, she's always, always been, had her own story and her own agency. She's always been very intelligent. She's always like that's one of the things that aggravated a lot of people about the Kate Bosworth version of of Lois Lane in Su- Superman Returns was that she was mm-hmm. the damsel in distress, and that's never been Lois Lane. Lois, Lois Lane has. Always has been, never been a damsel in distress. Yeah. No, ever, she's like, I'm doing ever. this thing, and I sort of had this dude, Bruce, who's kind of an ass, or not Bruce, uh, Clark, Clark, who's kind of an asshole and yeah. kind of a like shrinking violet, and I don't know what's up with him, but I'm going to get to the bottom of this mystery. Like, uh-huh. that's her attitude. But they, in the first, <laughs> they in the very beginning, they slut Vicky Vale out. And oh, I'm yeah. like, oh, really? Yeah. Like, and it's it's like, really, okay. really like hyper over sexualized, shallow. Like, it was it was ridiculous. Dude, yeah, it was it was ridiculous. So and and this is this is Frank Miller's insight into women, and it is twofold. On the one hand, well, okay. So I was thinking about all of the women, and I was like, you know, I was okay with the the little in the first five issues, the little section with Barbara Gordon. That was sort of fine. Uh, but then then you've got Wonder Woman, and you've got Vicky Vale, oh. and the thing and is, and Black Canary, and Black. Oh God, and Black Canary. Um, I don't think Frank Miller can conceive of in his imagination what it is like to be in the inside the head of an adult woman. I just, yeah. I don't think there's, he has any concept. Well, there's, go, you know, he goes, he goes back and forth, and like, so I start off with Vicky Vale, and I think next you meet Black Canary, and so it's like, there's zero subtlety. I don't, I don't, I, I'm not upset with her reaction to working at the bar and yeah. how she, what she did, so to speak, but like. I think I think everything, basically, the whole premise of the book, everything in the book is very over the top. Yeah, it's uh-huh. it's all everybody's the extremes. Action, everybody's action no is extreme. Nuance. I doubt that there's really like a well. I mean, I know there is, but I doubt there's very many women out there that was straight, just like break a guy's jaw for like reaching over the bar, like you know what I mean, like to touch her butt. Like so, there's maybe like you know get him escorted out, call the bouncers, like hey, this guy needs to leave, but like. Because of that one action, she beats the shit out of everyone in the bar, and then they take Black Canary as a character and turn her into basically a common thief. Like she's taking yeah. guys' wallets. <laughs> yeah, I just so, i I didn't understand. Like that's one of the that's my biggest criticism of this book is that it is fucking infantile. Yes, it is just everything is the way a sociopathic 12 year old would want Batman to be and it's like so it is so fucking aggravating because it's there's there like the Black Canary issue was the first one like the first issue was like it was kind of over the top and there was the whole thing with the you know the the absolute zero subtlety in the Gotham Police Department where it was just like you don't even understand why like somebody shoots the kid's parents and then all of a sudden the cops are going to take him out into the woods and I don't know what they're going to do to him but um, there's just this this weird kind of gross feeling about the first issue and then they just amp that up to 11 in, in the Black Canary one and the Black Canary one just was where it like five pages into that issue is where this whole thing just lost me and i kept reading but it was just like um there's 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 no nuance there's no there's no depth to the characters there's no there's no story can i go through what i think frank miller's thought process was when he was creating his female characters this will be sure okay so for vicky vale it was like okay i'm a chick i've got tits 
if I could date the goddamn Batman, I would date the goddamn Batman. <laughs> I'm gonna have her internal monologue be literally half I'm dating Batman. Yeah. Yay, Batman. <laughs> um and then for Wonder Woman, he's like, oh no, this is a totally different kind of woman. She's like, she's a lesbian and she's she's a feminist, so she's really angry and she constantly thinks about men. Because yeah. that is exactly what lesbian <laughs> feminists do. The goddamn Batman is a man. Oh, fucking men. I hate men. But the thing is, a good kiss from Superman, Mr. Man of Girder Steel penis, uh, <laughs> will totally fix her. Yes. Yes. This I, is I, th- that's one of the things... The weird thing about these issues, especially with um, with Wonder Woman and Black Canary, and then the the woman that Batman saves from rape in the alleyway, um, they are somewhere in the depths of Frank Miller's brain. I think he actually thought he was writing feminist women, when in actuality he because you you look at the black canary thing and it is this over the top representation of shitball men treating a woman like crap and her taking her revenge for it and frankly it's but, all very like a 60s treating yeah, a woman like hey, crap oh, I'm like go hey. on youtube frank hey. miller see what actually happens to women on yeah there. um and it's uh it's really i've I do honestly feel like he thought when he was writing this, he's like, oh, yeah, chicks are going to dig this. Um, when in actuality, it was just, like I said, it was it was infantile bullshit. It's a total fucking now, dumpster the, fire. The only, part, the only saving grace to all the female characters he writes is the, uh, is the woman in the alley because I guess he tried to. Let make the Batman's appearance empower her to make her seem like she was no longer weak. You know, at the end of it, she like kicks the one guy in the nuts or whatever. Like, you know, but but he kills it by by when the Batman is about to take off, she she immediately goes into like doll face. You know, like yeah, oh, yeah. Batman. What the hell was that? Like, yeah, one minute she's like, "Fuck you for screwing with me," and then the next minute she's like, "Oh god." I love you as she as Batman goes I was like really you actually wrote I love you so that woman was actually just Frank Miller's anima that wasn't actually a woman (laughs) (laughs) yeah so so though I mean the other thing is is that I think this this book when I say buy I'm buying it simply for the entertainment value (laughs) that I can always go back and look and go hey even the great guys have their low points. Right. It's so, it's it's like drinking PBR to remind yourself what good beer tastes like. <laughs> you're drinking you Miller Lite. You're, you're right. Actually. You're, you're right. And cause, because there's points in this story where they spend, okay, for example, they spend way too much time of Batman and Robin in the Batmobile oh, getting acquainted. Like, good like, God. <laughs> but but well, it's all about so emotional repression, Eddie. You can't do emotional repression quickly. Not only okay, so not only is is this book repetitive from issue to issue, but yes. the, but the dialogue is quite literally repetitive within panels and from yes. panel to yes. panel. It's somebody just repeats the same phrase over and over and over again, and that's God damn, Batman. And that's Batman the thing. Tells the universe, Batman tells the universe to shut up. 
Oh God! Everybody <laughs> tells everybody to shut up. That's a Fucking Green Lantern tells people to shut up. Bat or Superman tells Green Lantern to shut up. It, shut up is his favorite phase, and that's why I'm sitting like <laughs> sociopathic thirteen-year-old. Uh, so the care of all of the characters, because you know pretty much every character gets internal monologue, which I thought was a fine way to do storytelling. That's that's you know that's an okay choice, Frank Miller. Good job, but. Uh, only take that on if you're up to the task of getting into different people's heads. Uh, the one that I I felt was the most accurate to and like felt the most authentic was Jimmy Olsen, like being a horny teenager in Vicky Vale's you, room. You read further than issue five, then, because that's I read, I read whatever five. was in the first trade. Yeah, I read the I read the first five issues, and that's not so. Good. Guys, guys, I understand why everyone is telling everyone to shut up. That is the little bit of like. <laughs> The id or whatever, trying to get Frank Miller to stop <laughs> writing. <laughs> like, just let hey, Jim you know Lee and, carry and this book. Point. Yeah, and because because everybody's saying this book is infantile, like it was written by a teenager, it figures that Jimmy also would have the most accurate depiction. Yep. Yeah, yeah. No, I think that's the the part where Frank Miller could really accurately get into the head of somebody it was a horny sixteen. You know, it's even it's even like you know, like one of the things that kills me is that like, and I've never even seen this in any. Uh, Batman book before is that like so when he shows up and Black Canary like was in trouble the way that Batman is condescending to Black Canary is now Batman's condescending Batman's often condescending because he doesn't want anybody else to get hurt right he's like I can take care of this or whatever the goddamn but it's like the way it's written that he does it to Black Canary is like it's almost like he's nagging her I'm here now now, miss oh my god he's totally nagging her he's nagging her yeah, uh, he neg- yeah he nags the shit out of her like so, and, and that's the and thing. Then, that- here's the thing, and then and then then Frank Miller convinces you that negging is the way to get your rocks off because then they fuck later. <laughs> yeah. And I'm like, wait a second, wait a second, uh, wait a second. I don't. I just. I. I'm. Oh. This ba- this book, Luke. So here's speechless. So here's one of the things that really actually uh, the the thing that makes me sad about this book is that Jim Lee drew it. Yeah, can we yeah. talk about is the art that, for a couple? Is minutes? that the yeah. art? The art I'm in love is with the art. I can't lie. So the it's art really is Jim good. Lee, and Jim Lee is Jim Lee. Like I grew up, my my comic book era started in 86 or 87 with some Transformers comics and moved on through, like, but when I was really hardcore into it was in the 90s, and that was Jim Lee's, like, wheelhouse. Like, the, the image days. early 90s, late 80s, early 90s, when mm. he was doing X-Men and he started doing Wildcats and stuff, like, was Jim Lee's uh, heyday. Oh, yeah. And so, to me, in my mind, Jim Lee is one of the quintessential comic book artists. Mm-hmm. Like, his style is quintessentially superhero. So when he draws a Batman book or a Superman book or any, you know, especially the DC, like, hardcore four-color superheroes, they are they are about as quintessential Batman and Superman as, as you get in a comic book. Yeah. I loved his art in Hush, yeah. and that was fantastic. And his art here is still fantastic Jim Lee artwork mm. um, but what a thankless fucking job for us for a, a legendary artist uh-huh. to be stuck with the script that he's stuck with yes. and there are some things that show up in this comic that you know were stage directions by Frank Miller that Jim Lee must have been just like oh Jesus fucking Christ mm-hmm. when he's right when he's drawing them <laughs> 
<laughs> and it just it is it's so frustrating to see that because it you know when you there's this big discussion on in the comic book industry right now about um giving credit where credit is due and making sure right. that people have the you know uh, uh like artists and writers are given the credit and what's funny about that discussion right now is that it is centered primarily around the fact that that artists are starting to feel left out because writers are the ones getting the attention for a book mm. so when reviewers review something they talk about the writer constantly and they almost never talk about the art and anymore like oh people are following where, writers now where the art is is you know the art has become the invisible thing where when i was growing up it was the writers that were invisible because people followed comics for todd mcfarlane and jim lee and yeah. rob liefeld yeah, yeah, and yeah. Yeah. and right, like yeah. does anybody remember the name of the writer on youngblood no his name's Hank Canals, but nobody fucking knew who the writer on Youngblood was back then. It was Rob Liefeld's book. I, I actually um, know it because you've mentioned the story when you met Hank multiple, uh, yeah. multiple, 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 multiple times. <laughs> yeah. But the the let's look, at, let's look at the fact that let's look at the fact that if you look at Frank Miller's previous work, though, we actually really shouldn't be surprised. You look at Dark Knight Returns, you look at Three Hundred, right. you look at Sin City, you look at the Spirit, right? The characters. Oh God, he honestly Spirit? they follow yeah. suit in Batman in All Star Batman Robin. Uh yeah to to like it's it's kind of interesting because it depends on the environment that he's writing in and how far down his uh rabbit hole of crazy he's gotten mm. uh, because when you look back at some of those original books like 300 and the early Sin City stuff like the first 3 or 4 arcs of Sin City were still like he could adapt his wacky misogynistic weirdness into a noir story where it kind of fit the characters okay. Yeah. Um, and I do feel like in those early Sin City books, his female characters were much more empowered than they were in some of his later stuff, especially when you're looking at shit like Holy Terror and, yeah. and this. And, yeah. Dark Knight Returns um, 2 was the beginning. Dark Knight Returns 2 was the beginning, right. Because the Dark Knight Returns... That was fine. That's because, the one with Girl Robin. Yeah, it's got Girl Robin, who's actually kind of awesome. Yeah. And the the characters who are kind of assholes are, are more like beaten down, grizzled veterans than they are just That's true. Rich That's true. You dicks. look at Oliver Queen and, and, and Bruce Wayne. I mean, they're old. Like Bruce Wayne's like yeah. 55. Yeah. He's supposed to be friggin' miserable and, and gritty. And, and just grumpy. And, yeah. um, and grumpy. That's and true. then... And then you're right. Dark Knight Returns, Dark Knight Returns again, or whatever the fuck it's two. called. Dark DKR Knight Returns two. two, and then this, I think, are the start of him just, just being partially. He just says he at some point he just said fuck it. He's like I don't, I'm not, I'm not going to rain myself a paycheck. Whatever. I'm not going to rain my Show idiocy in colors. anymore. Just like <laughs> fuck it, I'm getting paid, and I've got. I am a goddamn legend. I'm I'm a goddamn, goddamn Batman. Batman. So. Andy and, and Joel, you guys have been basically silent while we've talked about this book, and I want to hear more from you guys. Okay, so like as far as the writing goes, you guys hit all the points. Honestly, like I mean, I have nothing good to say about it. It's just bad, and like I feel like you're about 15 seconds ahead of me because like you'll be on your rant, mind you, you will be on a rant. Yeah. Oh yeah. Very similar to the rants you said you wouldn't have. I know. I know. I and I'll be I, like, I, oh, that, this, you know what? Actually, Luke, that reminds me of this point. Not bring it up after Luke's done ranting, and you'll just go right into that point. And be like, God. <laughs> God damn it. Then, you know, Anne's going to talk about some stuff, and I'm going to be like, okay, okay. And then you'll jump right back in for me. I'll be like, well, Luke's got this one in the bag. I'm just going to kick back and coast. <laughs> Let's talk about some Jim Lee art, because Jim Lee's fantastic. Like, Jim Lee is always fantastic. He's yeah. solid. He's on point. Mm -hmm. 
The art is crisp. It's well done. You can tell most characters apart from each other, which I'm assuming with the script that he got was a little bit difficult. I did. Even if it was a stage direction from Frank Miller, in the scene where Wonder Woman is arguing with the Justice League, I really did like Plastic Man biting (laughs) Superman's ankle (laughs) for no good reason. That was awesome. That was so awesome. Like, I think that, honestly, if Jim Lee wouldn't have been on this book i don't think it would have made it past issue number two oh, yeah. yeah yeah no way it no, really, you're right. jim no, lee was yeah, not only not only drawing this book he was carrying frank miller miller on his shoulders was the jim entire lee, time was jim was jim lee already a like an executive editor at dc yeah. at this time yeah so that's why it happened yeah. because he's like well i'm on this book so I guess I'm gonna let it continue going. Yeah, yeah. And the Sims, the Sin City movie was, you know, doing really well. So yeah. it was like, hey, let's bring back Frank Miller. Yeah, you know, It'll be a time. I've got, Sin, yeah, I've got an idea. Let's ride the Sin City, you know, wave. And they're like, uh oh. I would have loved if he would, if he would have been like, you know, Jim. This is Jim speaking. The book just isn't doing that well, and we're gonna have to cancel your book. <laughs> okay. And he's just like sends an email to Frank Miller. Hey, Frank, I just got done talking to uh, the execs, and they hate this book. <laughs> They're canon. Uh, the execs. Joel. Uh, talk. Yeah. Uh, what do you think? Well, I would Because you gave it a borrow. So. I would borrow it because of Jim Lee. And, and okay. just for the, the nostalgia region, right, reason, right? And like, holy terror. Is there I any reason? So the, either. being that we're talking about Jim Lee and how his art is fantastic in this book. Mm. Is in a world where Hush exists, is there any reason to actually buy this book or borrow this book for Jim Lee's art? No. Well, maybe Plastic Man biting Superman's ankle. Uh, sure. Like just that yeah. one panel alone. Uh, I I don't know. I think there is. Yeah. I really the art in this book. I just really love that. That is the it is the saving grace of this book. Like the the artwork itself. I mean, is beautiful. The pencils, the outlines, the colors. Like it's a really beautifully drawn book. We just, I don't know, maybe we could have Grant Morrison rewrite it and maybe that would help, or Jeff yeah. Johns or yeah. someone else, right. and then yeah. maybe we could change it a little bit. I wonder if it would be possible to take the actual same panels that Jim Lee wrote or Jim Lee drew, remove all the lettering, and rescript the entire book with the same huh. artwork. It would be interesting to see could. that happen. Like it's something that is challenge. something very uniquely comic book that could be done for like a special edition type thing, huh? The remastered version? Yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. Director's yeah, cut. we just we yeah, let's go. We just we just have somebody else write it, and um, I mean, you'll I still have hypersexualized Vicky Vale, sure, and a. Uh, I think that's what the entire book should actually be about. <laughs> hypersexualized <laughs> Vicky Vale. So the thing about the hypersexualized Vicky Vale, though, is that if you take away the dialogue, then yeah, it she's hyper. Yeah, she's hypersexualized, but she's still kind of just, you know, Jim Lee comic art. You know, yeah, of course, they start her off in her underwear, which happens with a lot of I mean, women characters in comic books. I and, lounge around in matching bra and panties in my right? house all the I time. I do, too. Yeah, okay, right? Okay, see? Right. I do. What? Um, no, you try it, man. It's okay. Hey, look, most adults walk around their house naked or in comfortable bedroom attire. Oh, yeah. The, my red lace panties, I mean, the the, the <laughs> moose knuckle's a little weird, but it uh, it works. It works for me. Wouldn't it be more like rabbit ears with the dangling <laughs> off to the side? <laughs> <laughs> huh. That's an image. <laughs> it's, it's like a basset hound's jowls. Oh, God damn it. <laughs> <laughs> 
All right, dear um, listeners at home, I just want you to understand that both Joel and Anne are retching and gagging a little bit. <laughs> Luke and I are high fiving across the table. Um, I don't know. It's uh, I think that I. Th- I think that the hypersexualization of of the women is, you know, it's bad, it's script-driven, but it's also, like, if you take away her fucking vapid dialogue, it gets a little better. Like, because if you turn that just into a scene where she's thinking about something more intelligent, it could be not good, but maybe salvageable. Yeah. Right? Yeah, I totally see that. And and it would at least be, like, an somewhat interesting counterpoint to uh exactly what this was in terms yeah. of like what like i just let's like, put her in her underwear and then fridge the shit out of her because that's what really happened let, let's put her in her underwear and then have her like like her internal like dialogue is like wonder what the cost of world peace actually is <laughs> <laughs> or or just have it be a story like she's contemplating a story on the corruption in the gotham yeah. gotham pd something and, like that and then and then yeah, they they make it so that you know make it so that yes, she has a date with Bruce Wayne, but bring it around Vicky Vale style to where she's going on a date with Bruce Wayne in order to further the story somehow. Right, right. Instead of just oh God, I'm going on a date with Bruce Wayne. She like, was, she was overly giddy. Yeah. Uh-huh. So, all right, we got to wrap this up. So, um, we already we already did our buy borrow burn. Has anyone's opinion changed over the course of this discussion? I'm still a f- fucking solid. Can burn. I go? Can I go to double burn? <laughs> yeah. Can we? I think I've leaned down to burn. Yeah. 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 The more I talk about this, the more I'm like, I don't really need to. Even yeah. I, this. I'm feeling kind of dirty saying I'd borrow it. So now so, you're burned too. Yeah. So Eddie's the only buy. But uh, have you dropped yep. to a borrow, Eddie? <laughs> no, I'm still I'm still putting my money in there to buy this book. Okay. Maintain, man. I mean, you're wrong, but at least you're consistent. <laughs> We've only got two now two episodes after this one left of the show. Mm. Uh, this is episode 98. We're ending the show on episode 100. Uh, this was, of course, All Star Batman and Robin, the the fucking dumpster fire that is All Star Batman and Robin. It's the equivalent uh, of diapers that have washed up. <laughs> now he got it. Um. Next uh, next episode, episode 99, we are doing War- Warren Ellis's Trees. And it's an interesting little weird sci-fi book that Warren Ellis is doing. And then our final episode, episode 100, in a month, is going to be the entire run of Preacher, all 66 issues. No side stories. Uh, no side stories. Um, I am about seven or eight issues in and remembering how awesome it is. Um, Eddie, will you be able to be back for either of those episodes? For 100, yes, most likely. Okay. The uh, For the next one, I think I will not be near the internet. Okay. So. Cool. So uh, you heard it here, everybody. We're Hopefully we'll have Eddie back for our final episode. But if you are interested in taking part in the show for the last few episodes, uh, then you will want to email us at tradesecretsatgeekerific.com or you can hit us up on the Facebook group at facebook.com slash groups slash podcast, or you can hit us up on Twitter at tradesecretspod. We are all individually on Twitter as well and you can hit us up there. I am at geekyleet. Eddie, you are still Grape Doctor? Indeed. Uh, Joel? Uh, Superfly. Andy? Mathastrophe. Anne? 
And Ben tweets. Uh, so uh, if you would like to send us questions, comments, uh, you have a reminiscence about the show over the last four and a half years, that would be fantastic. We are really looking for some fan mail for the final episode. So uh, if you have something that you want to talk about, uh, your favorite episode, the worst episode, the best rant, the worst, uh, the, the worst book. Worst host, me. Uh, then let us know. Um, We've been doing this show now for four and a half years, and uh, it's it's bringing the entirety of podcasting on Geekerific to a close for now, uh, which which is kind of strange for for me specifically. I've been doing this since two, the beginning of two thousand ten, uh, and this will be you know my last podcast. So uh, yeah, we want to hear from people um, again. This was Batman and All Star Batman and Robin. We've got trees coming up next. We've got uh, Preacher coming up for the final episode and whatever else fan mail and stuff we can get. So um, thank you, Anne, for coming out for this show. And how. Thank you, Andy, for loaning us your apartment. Hail Satan. Thank you, Joel, for showing up for this again. Anytime. Thank you, Eddie, for being here from all the way from Germany. What time is it there now? Is it like 8 o'clock at night? It's about, yeah, it's 8.12. Nice. So thank you yep, again so for for coming in, and uh, this has been episode ninety eight of the Trade Secrets Podcast. I am Luke, and we're out. Right.